Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Ann Morano, who's the Executive Director of Colleges That Change Lives, whose mission is dedicated to supporting a student-centered college search process. And it's such an honor to have you here today. How are you? Thank you so much for the invitation, John. I'm thrilled to spend some time with you in conversation, and I'm really happy that it's spring. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy as well, and it's great to have you, Anne. So let me ask you to give us a brief introduction about yourself, and how did you end up in college admissions? That is a fabulous question, because I don't know that Anybody, any child, when they uh, dream about growing up and what they want to do as a vocation <laughs> says, I want to go into college admissions counseling. Um, I don't think it's something that we talked about at a career day. Um, I was fortunate enough to be educated by the Sisters of St. Joseph of Carondelet, who have a real service-oriented mission. And so what I was an undergrad at Mount St. Mary's University in Los Angeles they very quickly recruited me into the admissions office to work as a tour guide. And I fell in love with sharing everything about the college with prospective students and families and counselors. And I think it kind of took off from there. So uh, after a stint as an intern in that admissions office, of course, I worked for my alma mater for several years as an admissions counselor and then have made my way over the last 30 years through several different universities serving as an admissions counselor and then Really, the bulk of my career, I've been a school-based college counselor, really fortunate to work in a variety of different environments um, with thousands of students. I can't believe that's actually true, but um, <laughs> who have invited me into their lives and into their college-bound journeys. So uh, it's been, been quite a trip. And then just two years ago, almost, um, decided to move on from the school where I was working and uh, take on this role because I so believe in the organization and the very distinctly different group of colleges that it represents. 
Well, that's a terrific intro. We really appreciate that. And speaking of the organization, can you give us a brief overview of what Colleges That Change Lives is, its mission, and how did it come about? Yeah, so the Colleges That Change Lives organization as we know it today was inspired by a book of the same name, The Colleges That Change Lives, written by Lauren Pope and first published in 1996. There have been four editions. The last one was published in 2012. Lauren was an education writer, a journalist. He was an independent college counselor for many, many years. He had actually a very, very long and storied uh, life. He was kind of a Renaissance man. But for many years, he had believed in the power of the liberal arts and in amplifying and uplifting those gems, those schools that weren't as well known. Not that he wasn't a fan of the schools that are recognized because they are a brand unto themselves. <laughs> um, I call them the 12 sweatshirt schools, which <laughs> is my, my nomenclature for them, not Lauren's. Uh, but he, not that he wasn't a fan of those, but he was really committed to helping students kind of recenter the search to be about them and their values and what they would hope for in terms of their experiences and what they would encounter on campus. And so he encouraged students, families, and counselors to look beyond the name brands and to find those schools that would be great fits before we were really even talking about that as a concept, I think, in college admissions. And he was doing that for so many years that folks finally said, you know, Lauren, if you could publish a book, if you could write something and recommend a group of schools that would be kind of a go-to. That would be amazing. And so that's what he did. And he uplifted 40 smaller liberal arts colleges across the country um, that weren't necessarily um, schools that would immediately come to mind, but that were doing extraordinary things with and for undergraduates. They were doing such great things with undergraduates that they were producing alumni that were enjoying the same kind of success, same levels of success and interesting experiences across the board as their counterparts from the 12 sweatshirt schools. So he <laughs> figured he was onto something, uh, but he really believed in promoting that student-centered search. And so inspired by that, with his blessing, the colleges started traveling together in 1998 to promote the liberal arts, to promote a student-centered search, to push back against the craziness in the rankings to insert some reality into the rankings. And I hope we'll have a chance to talk about that uh, today and maybe even uh, to put a little more joy into the admissions process, but really to be more affirming again, to center that student and introduce them to options that they might not otherwise consider. And so we started traveling together in 98. And then in 2006, we incorporated to continue to spread that good word, not just about these schools, but about the liberal arts, the student-centered search, uh, and reality around the rankings. And uh, I think that's a pretty fabulous mission. I think more students and families and counselors need to hear that today than ever before, um, given, given the hectic kind of anxiety-ridden process that we find ourselves surrounded by. Well, that's a great mission, and I can't wait to hear more about it. So, Anne, how can students and parents determine if a college is a good fit for them beyond academic reputation and rankings? That is, I love that question because it gets to the heart of what we're really all about as an organization and what I have personally valued my entire career over the last three, almost four decades, which I can't even believe. Um, so once you move past rankings and academic programs, I think the most important thing for me to, to advise students, counselors, and families to look at is the campus culture 
right? Who is on campus? What are they talking about? What is important to them? What sorts of things are they get, getting involved in? And I used to advise my students when I was working at a school, when you visit the campus, and that's critical, if you can, you know, to visit in person, if you can't try to get to a virtual visit or at least get connected to some of the undergrads or alumni, professors even, to kind of get their take on this. But what are students talking about? What are those hot topics, right? And how do you see yourself joining and becoming and thriving as a member of that community? I think another thing to consider is access to opportunities. A lot of schools are very excited and forthright to share with you all of the fabulous programs that they have going on, all the programs that have been nationally and internationally recognized that have gained them a well-deserved reputation. But I think a great question is, well, how can I get to be a part of that? Um, If I have these interests, how do I make them come to life by the different ways I can get involved in clubs and organizations and courses and weekend experiences and all of those co-curricular things that we know are so important for development of the whole person? I think return on investment is a hot topic for lots of folks. I think we want to know what those outcomes are going to be uh, based on the blood, sweat, tears, and real financial uh, (laughs) commitment that we've made, right? Um, But I would look at those outcomes carefully um, and look at maybe a 10, 15, 20-year return on investment rather than just immediately. Because sometimes for graduates of liberal arts schools, and I know I'm biased, it takes a little little time (laughs) for us to catch up financially, but we do. Um, But I think that ROI piece is important to look at the kinds of fields and choices Um, and and life spaces that graduates of that college have had the opportunity to occupy once they've finished. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board-certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, we appreciate you talking about campus culture, return on investment, and what would you say is the role of liberal arts colleges in the current higher education landscape? And why should students consider attending one? 
I am so grateful that the liberal arts are alive and well (laughs) (laughs) because the liberal arts produce fully formed human beings. No, I think they give students permission to be a work in progress, um, but they produce graduates who have the skills that employers are looking for, right? And so I'm not saying this doesn't happen on other college campuses, but it's so much a part of the ethos at a liberal arts college that you will have experience working in a collaborative setting, probably with people who have different opinions and life stories, um, perspectives, uh, viewpoints on things than you do. And you're probably going to spend some time engaged in a real exciting, uh, layered exchange of ideas, you know, dare I say intellectual debate, and you're going to learn how to do that. Um, maybe civilly, what a concept. Um, but I think that's such a great training ground for walking into a diverse work setting. We know that, you know, we're not walking into homogeneous situations anymore uh, in work or in life. Our, our world, our communities are diversifying um, every day. And thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for the beauty of that changing kind of dynamic. But I think liberal arts colleges set students up to excel in those kind of environments. And um, that's just one of the reasons they're really important in the landscape. The other thing they do is they educate folks for the 15 to 20 different jobs that they are going to move themselves into. It, I think it produces someone who graduates who are very nimble, um, who are able to face change. And I, I don't know if this is one of our least or most favorite words after we've come through what we've just come through as a country for the last four years, but I think it really educates people to pivot, <laughs> um, to, <laughs> to not panic um, because of the depth and the breadth of the studies that uh, a liberal arts student has walked through, no matter what your major focus was, because you've been exposed to so many different academic areas and ideas. I think it really, again, produces somebody who's able to approach problem solving a little differently with a little more resilience and the ability to keep on keeping on even when you can't get to the solution right away. Um, <laughs> and because it's, I think, such a human design kind of experience before we even knew what that was organically, we uh, as liberal arts institutions, I'm taking ownership for all of them. Sorry, John, <laughs> but I'm um, proud graduate of several myself. Um, but I think, you know, we've because of that, um, the approach to the education of the whole person across academic areas to put put students in situations where they'd really be challenged and nurtured at the same time, turn things kind of upside down. Um, but that kind of holistic approach to education, we're, we're producing grads who have a very different view of the world that answers a lot of the questions the world needs. So there's a very distinct, important place for liberal arts colleges in the higher ed landscape. Well, we appreciate that. And you mentioned pivoting and we've all certainly had to pivot <laughs> thanks to things like COVID. So we appreciate that again. And, and so in your experience and what are some common misconceptions about the college admissions process and what do you wish more people knew about it? Yeah, I think right off the bat, I think students, families and counselors have, the, and I don't know why that makes me giggle, John, I apologize. Um, <laughs> I think it's because of the pervasive narrative out there that really stresses applicants out, honestly. But I think the the first thing, misconception would be that there's an exact science to any of this, right? And so it immediately takes me to when a student maybe receives a denial decision and they're convinced that if they had just done one thing better or presented one sentence, right? um, It was a comma in my essay or it was 
that in my interview, I forgot to mention this or whatever it was, that some T wasn't crossed and some I wasn't dotted. Um, so I think a misconception is that, yeah, that it's an exact science, that um, the misunderstanding that this is actually a very human process. And I know that there are colleges and universities out there that employ algorithms and formulas, right? Um, particularly at our state institutions, sometimes you have to meet a certain SAT score or ACT score combined with the right grade point average. But the majority of colleges are not operating like that uh, at all. Right. And so I think you know, it's not a sophisticated dart game. It really is <laughs> a very human process with folks taking the real time to get to know the student and what not just what they've accomplished, but what they're aspiring to do or be and, and looking for that match in terms of the community. And will that community serve the student as well? Right. Um, I think another misconception is that not that the process is heartless exactly, but that um, students have to form or fashion or shape themselves in some one particular way to be an excellent candidate for admission. And, and I'd like to remind everybody that everything a student brings to the application process is exactly what they need to be a fabulous candidate for admission. They are already competitive. You know, the majority of colleges in this country admit the majority of their applicants. And that doesn't mean that they're not, air quotes, good institutions. It means <laughs> that they <laughs> are providing access and opportunity um, into into higher ed in a, in a way that I don't think we talk about enough. So those are my big ones that I'd like people to to think about. Well, we appreciate that. And you're right. It's not an exact science. And I also love how you <laughs> talked about the different misconceptions. And so can you speak to the importance of considering colleges that may not be well known, but still offer excellent education and opportunities for all students? Right. And so when I get asked, what's a good college or what's the best college? I think sometimes <laughs> I sometimes I frustrate folks because I say, well, the best college or the, a good college is the one that's best or good for you. Um, we're bringing right. it right back to the student. Right. And what that student values and hopes for themselves. I think it's important to take some time to think about what kind of experiences you would like to have. And I'd like to revisit that access to opportunity piece, because I think sometimes people think, well, if it's a school I've never heard of, it can't be any good. Or if it's a small school that I've never heard of, which I think is like the double, you know, <laughs> death knell. Wait, a small school that I've never heard of? That must mean it's not any good and I can't do anything there. Um, and I'd like to flip that narrative and, and offer to people the thought, hey, thinking about a smaller school that you've never heard of, um, how about considering the fact that maybe it's so niche and so fantastic and so it, you know, like that club you can't find because it's so cool. They don't have a sign outside. No, but seriously, um, <laughs> that it's the small, the smallness of the school or the fact that it hasn't appeared to be one of the 12 sweatshirt schools that we're all very, very familiar with might mean on the contrary, that you have, again, an opportunity to get involved and to get noticed in a way you might not at another institution, right? Not that you're afraid of competition, but that you won't have to fight your way upstream all the time to get access to right. a club or organization, right. a research space, right? Working or collaborating with a professor in a lab that you're really excited about, um, that internship that's going to show you, yes, this is a field I'd like to try or continue in or no, glad I had that experience, but totally don't want to go in that direction. Um, <laughs> right. And I think that's what I equate small 
and maybe less known with is opportunity, all in capitals with stage lighting and maybe some confetti. Um, it's a lot harder to be anonymous at a school that maybe you haven't heard of that, you know, traditionally those are smaller liberal arts colleges. Um, and if you're about anonymity, then you wouldn't be happy there. But if you're somebody who um, is in the process of self-discovery and is willing to be open to mentors from across campus and be tagged for some incredible leadership and other experiential, what we call high impact educational experiences. Um, I think those are all good reasons to consider those schools that may not be as well known or as, as well branded. Well, that's a terrific answer and overview, and we really appreciate it. And I always put information in the show notes. And if there's anything that you want me to include in terms of specific links, please send it to me. And of course, I'll make it available to all of the students and their parents listening in. So, and how can students best prepare for and make the most of their college experience once they have made a decision and committed to a school? The first thing you need to do is celebrate because <laughs> it is a big deal and it is a milestone in your life. And um, I will say in parentheses, though, in that celebration, if you change your mind, it's OK. It's right. OK. Right. It's a people right. say, Absolutely. you know, oh, this is one of the biggest, most important decisions you will ever make in your life. <laughs> and I agree with that. But I also think that's so much pressure on somebody who's, who's just, you know, let me get started. I'm a, I'm starting my my higher education experience, can I have some fun with that and not panic that I've made the wrong choice, right? Um, so I would say celebrate, 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 celebrate. And then I think my advice is very practical. As you look um, to transitioning to college, make sure that you make space for your family and your friends and some time to just breathe over the summer uh, before right. classes start. I right. think that's really important as a rite of passage is to give yourself that permission um, to lie on your back and look at the clouds or run around with your friends in the sunshine and eat popsicles or travel somewhere that you haven't been before, whatever it is, um, you know, spend a week not leaving your room and reading that series of books you haven't been able to get to, but to do something that really nurtures your soul um, and is fun and brings you joy because uh, once you get started, it is, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but we, we want you to be restored and re rejuvenated and refreshed. And then the other advice I have, John is really practical. Um, and that has to do with, if you haven't set up, uh, your budget, take a real look at what your budget is going to look like. So there are no surprises, have those tough conversations with your family and your supporters in terms of what you need. I don't know that I ever worked with a student, John, over the last 34 years that didn't have their financial aid award changed or modified or updated three or four times over the summer. And I think sometimes families think, oh, we're done. We've committed. You know, it's over. No. So, you know, keep track of all of that kind of stuff through your portal or email or mail, snail mail, however the college is communicating with you. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if you have to sign any kind of loan paperwork or go through entrance counseling take care of that. Attend orientation. I think that's really important if you have the time and the resources. And if you don't have the resources, by the way, you should ask your college if they can um, underwrite the cost of it or offer you a scholarship or, or grant to pay for it. Because I know sometimes there are additional programs on top of orientation where you really learn the tradition of the college, where you really get to know the incoming class, or maybe it's... Um, kind of an experience away from campus where they might do, oh, I don't know, some, you know, mountain biking or hiking, whatever it is that's particular to that school. But um, if there's a cost affiliated with that, don't be afraid to, 
to ask for help, which brings me to another point. Start practicing self-advocacy. That is a learned skill, right? And um, I think speaking up for yourself and asking questions and getting connected to various departments on campus early is, is really important. So orientation, financial aid, plan your budget, um, make sure you've got a transportation plan worked out. And, you know, um, as you're pulling together your things to ship or bring with you, recognize that you do not have to bring your entire wardrobe with you <laughs> or all of the things. <laughs> I know everything is precious and we want to be surrounded by all of the things, uh, but you will probably have a limited space if you're living on campus. So we're going to want to be very careful about what we bring and know that hopefully you'll have a chance to get home for break at some point and or folks can ship you things when you need them. Uh, and if you have a chance to say hi to your future roommate, and if you're living on campus and, and you have time to have a conversation, um, even to plan out what who's bringing what to the room. And, and if there's a theme, I know that that's big these days. People want to decorate along certain themes, <laughs> you know, work that out early. And the last thing I will say, John, um, which again, super practical is Make sure your your head and your heart are and your body are in order. So have a, get a physical. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Make sure your vaccinations are up to date. Um, make sure that you are getting the support you need. You know, mental health is so so very important. Um, so get get that taken care of and identify the folks on campus um, that you know are going to be there for you, the departments or the programs. Um, that are going to have your back, whether that's um, student support services, you know, in, in terms of mental health or academic support services, get to know those folks early. Uh, it will be less intimidating once you're on campus and you find yourself needing them to then approach them and say, hey, I'm here. They'll already know you. So those are tremendous insights and, and great pieces of advice. Unfortunately, it leads us to our last question, which is what are your top three pieces of advice that you would offer students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Thank you for asking. Um, it, it gives me an opportunity to work that college counselor muscle just one more time. <laughs> the first thing I would say is it's just Tuesday, even when it's <laughs> Thursday or Saturday, right? It's just Tuesday. You are going to be fine. You're going to get through this. Take it a day at a time and remember to breathe. If you can create some sort of organizational system for yourself, I highly recommend it. Whether that's a bullet journal or some sort of calendar through whatever email platform you use or sticky notes on a message cork board, whatever is most effective. There are so many things for you to keep track of in terms of deadlines and different pieces of the application that have to get done. And we didn't talk about scholarships, but that's a whole other thing to track. So (laughs) create some sort of organization system for yourself um, and give yourself plenty of time, you know, set your own personal goals and deadlines that are ahead of the final, final deadlines that the colleges or scholarships set, and you'll feel much better and less stressed out. And I already mentioned self-advocacy, but I would say Trust the mentors that you've identified in your life and what they are saying to you, but also listen to the wisdom of your own heart, right? There are going to be a lot of well-meaning people in your life that will pop up, whether that's at family gatherings or at sporting events (laughs) or in the hallways in between class. And I don't know why that makes me laugh, but all of a sudden, everyone in your life has a genuine, bona fide, invested interest in your college journey. And uh, 
you know, take some of that advice with a grain of salt and know that most people have your back and they really, really want to support you. But listen, listen to the wisdom of your mentors, especially when they recommend schools to you that you might think, hey, that I've never heard of that. Why? Why that school? Right. And I guess maybe <laughs> I'm sensitive to that one because I got that reaction a lot from the students I worked with. Like, what? Where is right. that? Um, the other thing I would say is remember that you do have resources around you in terms of your counselors and your teachers, maybe family friends or someone affiliated with your faith community. If if that's a part of your life, um, that can be great sounding boards for you. And so take advantage of venting and detoxifying and, uh, getting the support (laughs) that you need whenever that happens. As you're, uh, the second thing I would say is as you're pulling together that list, remember that financial fit is a reality too. And so affordability is very important as you're pulling together that list. Don't be surprised in the spring. Do your research up front and you can ask colleges those tough questions. You can use the net price calculator on their website. You can take a look at the total cost of attendance, their average merit aid, all of those things. So you and your family have a real sense of what the outlay might be from from your pocket before before you fall in love too hard is what I used to say to my kids before you fall in love too hard let's make sure we can work this out and then you know understand how much you're going to have to hustle to find those additional funds and then the the last thing i would say john is as you're breathing as you're remembering that it's tuesday and you're staying organized um, let's not over apply let's remember that you are already an excellent competitive candidate for admission and that most of the colleges in this country would be thrilled to have you, you know, make your philosophy. What have they done for me lately? How will they challenge me to grow (laughs) and support me? Right. Um, And let's avoid, let's avoid applying to schools because we're panicked. Let's come from a place of confidence if we can and keep that list manageable because the more schools you apply to, the more work you make for yourselves Uh, you're going to have to write additional supplemental essays, or maybe there are more interviews or trips to campus or application fees, whatever the case may be. And you're also creating more work, although they love you, although they love you and they have your back for your support circle um, that's writing those recommendation letters or sending in transcripts, right? So I, I really advise students to stay, if you can, to no more than 10 or 12 schools. And And we hope that each one of those schools excites you, that each one of those schools is a first choice school. Um, And then, yeah, just remember to celebrate when it's all over because you've done a a wonderful thing and and you are definitely not only changing your life, but the lives of people around you and your community. Um, And, you know, if you're multi-decided, definitely check out a liberal arts school because we love kids who haven't quite figured out what they want to do with the rest of their lives yet. <laughs> it's supposed to be a journey. So enjoy yourself um, and lean on the folks that, that can support you. Well, Anne, those were thoughtful pieces of advice. Thank you so much for sharing your great insight. This has been a tremendous conversation and I'm so I've had happy. such a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so did I, and I really did. And <laughs> You know, it, it makes me so happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. So again, Ann, we want to thank you for your time and your expertise. And I do hope to have you again, And Thank you so much. I would love to come back anytime. Thanks thanks so much to you, John, for making the space for the conversation and, and to your audience out there for listening. My pleasure. Take care, Ann. Take care.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.